Hey, TRB fans, for the best in Star Wars accessories and jewelry, head to jewelrybrands.shop for items spanning the entire Star Wars galaxy from the Mandalorian to the Skywalker Saga and beyond. I'm wearing a Grogu pin myself right now. Their items are top of the line, best stuff you can get out there. And make sure you use code TRB at checkout to get 10% off your order. Jewelrybrands.shop, the best in Star Wars accessories and jewelry. wants back in sorry game of thrones fans not not you star wars kira she wants back in welcome back everybody this is the resistance broadcast i'm john you know that stuff makes me happy uh thanks so much for joining us today yeah we're gonna get into that story in a little bit uh, i'm sure a lot of you have already heard that you saw the episode title so you could probably figure we're gonna talk about that a little bit here uh but this is our new show and i hope everyone's having a glorious Monday. If you have the Monday blues, it's our job to help you throw them out, get rid of them. Goodbye, Monday blues. And doing that with me, as always, is James Bainey and Lacey Gillerin. James, Lacey, uh, Carrie Fisher getting a star on the beautifully crisp and clean, shiny and sparkly Hollywood Boulevard Walk of Fame. Uh, thoughts? Um... <clears throat> Yeah, I saw this and I saw, I saw that uh, it was kind of weird because there was like some weird ineligibility thing and stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm obviously down. I just know that yeah, there was like yeah. some weird like hangups and stuff with them, like having to work stuff out with her like estate kind of thing. Um, and I think it's a cool like honorary title. Like I, I think like I, I don't I don't really know that much about the Hollywood Boulevard and the Walk of, Walk of Fame and stuff like I, it's it reminds me of like Joey and the the laundry mat it's like at what point how big do you have to be before you can get your picture on the wall kind of thing like yeah. how many stars are there and how far do they go back because like in my head obviously anybody who was in star wars would be eligible for that you know but um it's tricky because obviously there's so many different facets of fame and hollywood you know so um but i'm down i'm down obviously this is great great news in my opinion yeah, it's surprising it took so long because she just seems like one of those staples in Hollywood that you're like, oh, she was a part of this thing that was so gigantic and still remains gigantic 40 years later, 40 plus years mm -hmm. later. It's just surprising yeah. that it took so long. I my my theory on it is because, you know, the truth about these things is that they're not oh, like awards. They're not there's not like a committee that says, and this year we're going to honor blank. You have to apply for them, for one thing, and they're paid for. You have to pay for them. Mm -hmm. And the head of the committee, this was like after, I don't want to get political or anything, but after Carrie Fisher had died, you know, all the Trump stuff was going on, people were like, replace his star, with, give it to Carrie Fisher. I think Mark Hamill said that. But it's not, you know... It's not. It's not kind of. It's not like that. And you know, the president of whoever's in charge of these things, 
these the Hollywood Walk of Fame, or whatever, oh said Carrie Fisher <laughs> never applied for one. Huh? My my Her. neighborhood, by the way, if you hear noises, <laughs> my neighborhood, all the kids graduated school this week, so they're all partying outside. So it's indoor. So okay. there is literally an air horn going off. Victory I celebration thought it was your cat. No joke. House. I was like, it was like, no, it's an air horn, <laughs> like a ship air horn next to my house. Right. Anyway, I'm sorry, Little I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, the the president of this association had told the LA Times a couple of years ago that Carrie Fisher had never applied for one. She was never had never expressed interest in having one. Um, and you know, we all the stories about Carrie Fisher kind of being this sort of rebel and this renegade and not really interested in that idea. And she she was buried in a oversized Prozac pill. Like mm. she's she's a very obviously a quirky beat by her own drum sort of person. And I could see her not. You no, know, she clearly wasn't that interested in this sort of thing. Now her family, if they want to honor her and her legacy, I completely get that. And she probably would have accepted it gracefully because that's who she was. But she probably would have made a joke like, "Well, people have been walking on me for years. What's another? Uh, you know, forever." I believe so, her mom has one too. Debbie Reynolds, yeah. Um, so I. I I just think it's it's the Walk of Fame thing. Anytime I hear it, I I get a little crazy because I like facts and stuff like that. And people think these are like the Oscars where people just go, you won this time. And mm-hmm. people are like, oh, it's been so long. And I, Carrie Fisher just never applied for one. But it's also cool that she's going to be there. And, you know, hopefully her spot's going to be clean. I know Hollywood Boulevard is not the cleanest street in the world. We've walked it a few times, each of us <laughs> at varying points. Um, but uh, yeah, so 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 another Star Wars legend um lining the streets of the sidewalks but for sure uh we, we do miss carrie fisher anyway of course she would always be a great presence especially nowadays with star wars fans online i feel like she would be such a nice level of levity and and that sort of thing because she always poked fun at how serious people took it but anyway we do have current star wars stuff to talk about um, oh yeah some interesting stories to get into about future stuff and a bunch of maybes and that sort of thing and james you obviously have some cool stuff to get into at the tail end here so why don't we hop into the resistance report it's the resistance (laughs) it was a great voice john <clears throat> resistance report this week uh we have a lot to talk about as john alluded to uh we're gonna get started right away with this story about the acolyte um now l- we all know that leslie headlinish is uh show running this project and uh one thing that we might not have known about leslie headland is how big of a fan she actually is of star wars because we often hear uh the you know like oh i grew up with those movies i've always been a fan i've always loved them but uh in doing this interview uh with the av club she specifically went into like all these details that really accentuated how much of a fan she has been for a very long time including playing the games and reading the books and even down to to um as she assembles the uh the writing room for the show uh you know she talks about how she gathers everybody up and we'll get into that in a minute but uh very much so she was the person that was like oh you don't know this detail you don't know what this character looks like here i'll send you this picture i'll do this and many times people are like this isn't this isn't your job but she just is so excited about it um she's already done all this research and stuff um that she uh 
I don't know, was able to, to pull it off on many different levels. So um, let, I guess well, let's get started with uh, all these things that she mentioned, um, even dating back to, you know, reading Heir to the Empire um, and that being her like kind of break into Star Wars other than the, the movies themselves. Um, John, what were your thoughts uh, when reading this article and, and has this changed your opinion at all, maybe on Leslie Headland? Um, I mean, I liked Russian Doll. I, I watched that uh, immediately after hearing that she was signed on for Star Wars, and I thought that was an interesting show. Um, and, you know, I remember us talking about, well, we're not sure how that translates to Star Wars. She may mm-hmm. just uh, be doing something completely different. So it's hard to say, oh, this is the this is what we're going to get in Star Wars. But I think this is a, a sort of a thing where, and we didn't really mince words about this, but, I le- you know, she's in PR mode now. She She's, you know, her, her ink is on the dotted line. She is officially a contracted employee of the Disney, Walt Disney Company. And she needs to play to play it right and do the right PR thing here. And because uh, there was a lot of rumblings and stuff of people like bringing up old tweets of hers where she would kind of crap on George Lucas or, you know, say bad things about how Star Wars was and Star Wars didn't do this right and they should be doing this. And uh, a lot of those tweets got deleted along the way as as she probably got the job before it went public and people took notice of that. And now she's in, I, uh, I want to be doing the right thing mode. And I, re- you know, I respect that. She's got the gig and she's going to do her job. I don't think that affects anything about how she's going to do her job. She's clearly a talented person. I was, I will say I was impressed by her level of knowledge of Star Wars. You know, this wasn't a thing where we like kind of poked fun at DJ Older about like, oh, what alien is going to bring? Of course, he's going to say a Gungan. Or, mm-hmm. you know, of course, it's going to be that she's talking about BBY, 325 BBY, and she's bringing up Heir to the Empire, like legend stuff, Timothy's on. And she, you know, she clearly really was a genuine Star Wars fan. This isn't someone saying like, oh, yeah, I love Star Wars. And then they like get the bullet points from Lucasfilm on what to say. Mm-hmm. She clearly was a fan of the franchise. And I do like that. Um, the writing room thing is a little interesting to me. Like, how many people do you need? You know, I mean, I get some people do put a team together, but, you know, like John Favreau's writing room was John Favreau and he, you know, had Filoni write an episode or something like that. I get different shows do different things, but the writing room I found interesting. That means it's going to be this very collaborative thing. Um, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Sometimes it, it, I could see it putting together a situation where you're like, this doesn't have a voice. And that's a little bit concerning, but yeah, we we'll find out when we see. It. All we know right now is what the name of the show is, when it roughly takes place. Obviously, it's going to be Sith focused, taking place after the High Republic. She seems to like that era. She brought up three twenty five BBY. She seems to understand um, what things are like back then, and probably has done more research. Um, so curious to see what happens. Uh, I'm keeping an open mind about it. She clearly is talented, um, but uh, everything she's saying from now from now forward is going to be under the filter as a dotted line signed contracted Walt Disney company employee and good for her. <laughs> Lacey, what were your thoughts on reading all this stuff about Leslie? I was really surprised because usually they, you know, I'm not saying star Wars Newsnet does this, but a lot of websites will put out an interview and it's like kind of what we're going to get into with Amelia Clark, where she gives like four sentences and you're like, oh, okay, that's the gist of the interview. Whereas this, she goes on and on about certain topics. Um, It was very exciting to hear how much 
uh, she got into Star Wars? Because I feel like it's it's a general thing that everyone loves the movies. You know, everyone grew up in the movies and they really loved it. But she went even farther than that and got into the books, which, first of all, I think she's going to get Timothy's on another book by saying that. I think he just signed <laughs> another book somewhere in the universe. It's kind of like a bell rings and an angel gets its wings. Every time t- mm. Timothy Zahn's brought up, he gets another book about Thrawn. Um, <laughs> so that's cool. Um, but then I really liked her talking about the RPGs because... It reminded me of myself, but not in the video game way. Um, the way she talked about how she loved jumping in and kind of putting herself in that world. And like if a creator in Star Wars isn't creating something like that in the Star Wars universe where you can just jump in and play and, and imagine yourself in that world, then they're not necessarily doing their job very well, which I found very cool because it means that she's thinking of everything from, you know, characters to world building to everything else, which we already had a hint of with her explanations of the research that she's done, which she mentioned with YouTube, how she was watching all these YouTube videos, which good luck. Uh, There are a lot of YouTube (laughs) videos out there, good and bad. So I'm interested to know which one she's watched. Um, But I really like that because growing up myself, I'd always like imagine these adventures and like that's how dense the Star Wars universe is. So for her to have an understanding of like how much there is and how much you could put into something is just really, really cool. Um, And then, yeah, there was an interesting tidbit, like John said, about the writing room where she said that someone applied and had never seen Star Wars. And she was just like... Yeah, that's cool, whatever, which I appreciate because sometimes you get a great writer like the guy working on Rogue One in the Andor series who isn't a big Star Wars fan, but does a great job and guts it and makes Mm -hmm. it what it is, you know? So, but I laughed when she said the person messaged her and was like, they're brother and sister? (laughs) I was like, there it is. Um, But it's just really Mm -hmm. exciting to hear someone be excited to work on Star Wars. Um, and I'm interested to see what she does. I, I'm going to admit, I was one of the first people that was like, I've seen Bachelorette. I don't know if this is a good fit for Star Wars, but I think that because she has such a background in history and understanding of what Star Wars is and where she wants to take it, um, that you can't be against that. You know, when she talks about how much work she's put into the writing room and how much she wants everybody to be just as pumped as she is, uh, I'm on board. Yeah, those are good points. You know, I I noticed one thing, too, that she talks about the social media aspect of it and how she actually is excited about that and embrace it, which is cool because, like, in a way that kind of reminds me of, like, another Ryan Johnson, like someone who was, like, not afraid of what people are saying about the property uh, online, but, like, more embraced it. And I think that's that's more fun to kind of see how that happens and plays out rather than like a JJ who literally just doesn't say anything. Um, or says he's going to do stuff and then is like, Giddy. well, yeah, that, yeah, a little different. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, th- I think the, the reason that popped out to me was because of what you said, John, that she had these tweets from before that was like upset with the franchise and stuff. And I tie that into how she's looking at um, when people are passionate about something, when they care that much about something, they're willing to fight for it. They're willing to argue for it. They're willing to say like, wh- they're willing to criticize where that thing went wrong and the turn. So I think like in a little sense there, she's kind of defending herself. But I think like, like when you look at it from her being now someone who is a respected uh, showrunner in this case and getting ready to head into uh, making their own Star Wars thing, you got to look into the sense like I said those things because I felt like I really cared about Star Wars and I really cared about the characters mm-hmm. and the property and how everything was going to be handled. And um, that is like when I said those things, I 
found myself in other people who were criticizing the prequels at that time too, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I mean, look, I'm not a prequel basher by any means, but I think that, um, it, as she's saying in this article, like it's all walks of life. Like everybody is going to have their different opinions. And that's what is so interesting about star Wars is that it, it, uh, creates passionate fans. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like this article is dense. By the way, if if, yeah. if you haven't gone and read it, I feel like we're gonna skim over so many different things. That writing room thing is interesting to me too, um, simply because I I feel like you're right, John, that somebody could write the show and they could just do it, and that would be their style. But like, if I if I was writing Star Wars, I absolutely would go with a writing room. I would be like, hey, I got some people that I've worked with before in the past or or just people that I think could help out with this process. And and we're going to try to piece together what is a good story and then like try to fit that into and make that good story a Star Wars property. And knowing all the details will help piece it all together. But at the end of the day, I really want this to be something that uh, you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to enjoy. And um she's such a star Wars fan that you almost run the risk. If you do it alone, you start to get too meta with the, with the story. If that makes sense. I I think there's that possibility. Are you muted? No, John might be. (laughs) John, (laughs) You're muted, John. Hi. Uh, Hey, there he is. 430 episodes (laughs) later. I'm like, Oh, how do I do this? Um, Yes, uh, Lacey had brought up the person like uh, that didn't, you know, had, didn't really know Star Wars at all. And I, I agree. I think mm. to your points, that is a good thing because you can bounce something off of somebody and they could view it just from a a blanket narrative standpoint. Does this make sense for a good story? Not is this good for Star Wars? And I think that's a good thing. You know, um, there's been plenty of people who have worked on Star Wars over the years that have made some of the best of Star Wars that weren't necessarily big Star Wars fans. I think of like, you know, Irvin Kershner directing Empire Strikes Back. He just knew how to make that chapter work as a good director. He didn't need to be a great Star Wars fan. Uh, you know, Lawrence Kasdan comes in and and makes some of the greatest scripts ever. And he just happened to like one of the characters very much and, and uh, understand how to write that character, know how to write a good story, know how to write characters that like each other. So yeah, I agree. You don't need to love Star Wars to, to make good Star Wars. And I think having that sort of control in the room or someone you could bounce that stuff off of is not a bad thing. So uh, people might get alarmed and you know they'll make their... Um, focal point about that that shows she's bringing people who don't care about star wars it's like mm-hmm. no that that can be a really good thing because like you said the meta aspect and sometimes if you get too tight to something you lose everything about it yeah i definitely thought too there was there was a line in there too where she said um where she was like oh i'll send i'll send you a picture this is what he looks like is i was like man i'm getting a real big like easter egg fan servicey vibe um, from this show in the sense of like, Hey, this is what was going on. These are all the, the high Republic books. This is our chance to kind of bring it to the screen. I don't think this necessarily means it's like all the books you've read are now getting a movie made out of them. But I definitely think there's a good chance that, that some of these characters that we're reading in the books and seeing these like illustrations of and stuff could show up because you're saying you've, you've not heard of like Stellan Geos, for instance, you know, this is what he looks like or, or, you know, any one of these other buckets of blood, for instance, like, Oh the, yeah, you got to see yeah, this Yeah, I feel like she's looks really cool. She's definitely 
Yeah, she's definitely leaning into the EU more than High Republic, though, I would bet. And I feel like she's going to go back to those books that she enjoyed in her childhood, and she's making a show that she would want to see. So I totally agree with you. I just don't think it's High Republic. I think it's more on the other, like, crazy character side of people that, like, are like, oh, my God, I can't believe she brought this person in. And wasn't wasn't she the one that said her main... Like, it won't be Jackson, but, like, a Jackson-type character or something. Yeah. Like Cobb Vanth. People didn't think they were going to see Cobb Vanth and Cobb Vanth showed up. Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then people are buying cardboard cutouts of him. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, think she, I think she was the one who used the Star Wars Atlas as like her basis for yeah. how she wanted to tell her story. So... Oh, that's right, because she was drawing a path of her character's journey like, and how it makes Like Indiana sense. Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean... Yeah. These are good things. I think these are things that make me happy about this series. And I think more and more, the series potentially becomes like one of my more anticipated. Um, pretty exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, yeah, I'm very, very interested to see what comes out of this. I'm very intrigued. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I am interested to see what happens with Amelia Clark. <laughs> because uh, this story actually, um, you know, it was on Josh Horowitz's podcast um sad happy confused is that what it is um and happy uh, sad confused happy sad confused i was, i knew it was the two i just couldn't think of what order <laughs> it was but um lacy you actually pointed this out to us uh you saw that she was going to be on the show you went through the process of finding where she talks about star wars and stuff and kind of presented it to star wars newsnet that was really cool um and it was great to to hear her you know kind of explain how great she feels about the fandom and fans of the show kind of bringing it back up and keeping it alive, keeping the fun alive. And she even goes into things that we've said multiple times. Like uh, she talks about how there was a lot of openness about the production of the show or of the movie. And when people went into the movie, they already had all this dirty laundry, all this baggage headed into the, the, the movie itself and so had that not been involved uh she fully believes that the the movie would have probably done better uh as far as reception monetary value all that stuff um and we have said that numerous times so it was really cool to hear that she's kind of a make solo to happenist if you will (laughs) if that's a that's a type of person but yeah let's let's talk about this real quick uh lacy uh amelia clark talking about um the possibility of kira uh, showing up again, or maybe maybe not in uh, Lando series. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Josh has had a couple people on now. He's had Ron Howard, Alden, and now Amelia Clark. And each time <laughs> he brings this up, but doesn't mention make Solo two happen. He yeah. like dances around it, and he's like, "Oh, fans really like it." And what he doesn't mention is like they like it so much that it trended worldwide three years in a row. Like he's not. Properly I, think he, I think he did explaining. say that it trended. Yeah, it trended no, on the anniversary. Did he not? I, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. I, maybe I in a different interview, that. not in this one. He kind of played okay. it down in this one. But it was interesting to hear her talk about it because she said she's not really on social, which is, I feel like, more and more becoming the norm with people like Amelia Clark yeah. and, and bigger actors. It's like they just don't want to get involved, which is understandable. You know, Daisy Ridley, Kelly Mutran, all those people are like, nah, I'm good. Uh, and then you have John Boyega, who doesn't care, and he's just, like, posing all the time, responding to people. <laughs> um, so, to each his own. Um, but it's 
it was funny because she said that her brother is the one that kind of tunes her into stuff. And he would be like, no, people really like it. People are really enjoying it. People are starting to like it more. And she'd be like, I take his word for it. And I felt like just yelling out loud, like, people love it more than you know. People want you <laughs> back so bad. Um, but it was it was cool to hear her talk about it. I, I feel bad, you know, every time I hear one of the people that were involved talk about the process and like how it didn't do as well as they wanted it to do. But then at the end of the day, you still look at the numbers because people jump to the numbers of the box office. You still look at the numbers and it did better than so many other movies that year. And you're like, yeah. it didn't do that bad. But it's in the scale of Star Wars movies, you know, it obviously it's didn't Ron, do it. Ron Howard's highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, it's just it, it, these kind of interviews <laughs> like it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Right. It's wonderful <laughs> because you hear her talk about it and how much she loves it. But you just want to scream or like teleport yourself to the room and be like, no, you don't understand how much we like it. Like you don't know. Um, and I know that it wasn't included in this article, but she did talk to the Hollywood Reporter about Solo, which they did bring up Make Solo 2 happen. They said it campaigned and it trended and all this other stuff on the anniversary, which was nice. Thank you, Hollywood Reporter. Uh, that she said that she had thoughts on Kira and had written all these things about Kira and would love to see Kira come back. So I I just want her to come back so bad. And I think oftentimes people jump to the, the conclusion or thought of, oh, we don't need Solo to come back. We just want Kira. But at the end of the day, if you look at the end of the movie and, and where things kind of didn't wrap up, they were just open-ended she's kind of the villain now in Han Solo's story. So you need to play that out. And John Kazan intended for those syndicates, the Pikes, the Huts, and Crimson Dawn to have like a war. That story is sitting there waiting to be told. And it's just, she's a big part of that story. So I think you can have a Kira show on her own, but you need to wrap up some loose ends with the Han Solo stuff first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. John, what were your thoughts on Amelia Clark showing up? And, and Lacey, by the way, real well, quick, I think that was mm. what I was thinking of the Hollywood Reporter article because yeah. I know they did mention. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's just. Like, to, to me, I don't see any way where an Amelia Clark or somebody hasn't been made aware of the fan movement. Like, one of her friends is on Twitter having coffee at 10 a.m., like, text her. That movie you were in, it's trending. Like, fans want a sequel. Check it out. And she's like, oh, <laughs> wow, that's cool. So I think, like, she has heard of it, like, that knows that the fan movement exists. I don't think it's one of those things where she's like, oh, really? You know? But, and she, like you said, she has her brother informing her up to date on what's going on. I'm surprised you didn't just bring in Daisy Ridley right now. <laughs> right. Um, Daisy Ridley might not know about it. Makes it a little I too I thought about it like that. She's like, <laughs> episode 10? All right. Um, yeah, I I don't know with this whole thing, man. Uh, it's, well, first off, like, you know, we, we, I know we're talking about makes a little too happen again on the podcast. And the newsflash for people who don't know, we, it's going to come up every once in a while on our podcast. So just either deal with it or tune out. Sorry. But uh, the, as far as Amelia Clark goes, like, it, it's, you add her to the list. You know, of people who are still interested in what's going on here. When there's been so many of these types of franchise types of situations, even in Star Wars, where you have the actor saying, like, I'm all set. I'm good. I put my Oscar Isaac, pushing my chips into the table. I'm out. Every freaking person involved with Solo is like, yeah, yeah, I'll come back. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's go. 
John Kazan. I got the stories already. Amelia Clark. I'm writing treatments for my character. I would love to see her come back. Talk about like Leslie Headland talking about the RPG thing. Amelia Clark's doing it for Kira right now. She's <laughs> creating these stories. Uh, Ron Howard said, I could see it turning around, coming back. All the crew people, anyone from Brian Herring, a puppeteer, all the way to the art people, Hal Hickel, who works at ILM, everybody involved, Jonas Sotomo, go down the line. Alden Ehrenreich said he has a perfect idea of how he would play Han Solo if he came back. This isn't like this fan pipe dream of, like, it's never going to happen, guys. They're not interested. Like, everyone involved is interested. It's just Disney saying, like, look, that was the first round. That's on us. We're going to buy the next round. And we're going to do it right for you guys. But and John, that's all it's going to take. Don't you want a Tower of Terror movie with Scarlett Johansson <laughs> instead? Uh, or oh, a Jungle Cruise movie? Yes, or... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or Hocus Pocus 2 coming to <laughs> Disney+. Plus. That movie made $6 at the box office. Don't tell me about box office bombs, please. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's just this whole interesting phenomenon. And, you know, it, clearly the, the buzz is still there from fans three years later. So when people say like, that's ah, being a bit overdone, it's like, no, it's not, you know, it took Clone Wars seven years of fans asking for it to come back for it to come back. And we're on year three of Solo. And I think there's plenty of breathing room. And the best part of it is if they do it on Disney plus, like you said, Lacey, say they do a Kira series, the Kira fans are happy. They get Maul. You get Han and Chewie working for Jabba. You get stuff going on with the, you know, the other syndicates involved, Pikes, whatever you want to do. You can intertwine and have crossovers. Like Han's going to show up in the Kira show. Kira's going to pop in on the Han show. And it doesn't have to be multiple seasons for each of these shows. You can do one season for each and make it work in that way. Sort of like, I'm not saying like a Pulp Fiction where we're jumping timelines, but having people cross over, that type of thing to me adds the suspension of disbelief layers to loving these stories like oh my god i just saw that character on this show doing this thing and now they're popping up over here because they just left that spot like it adds so much enriched awesomeness to star wars and i think it's just all set up beautifully and the fact that now you have amelia clark saying she would love to come back and acknowledging the fact that yeah it's one of those situations where people uh, a lot of people, I feel like, viewed it with our dirty laundry. When And she's bringing up talking about the production stuff that happened. And she's saying a lot of people couldn't detach themselves from that. But I like seeing the fact that people are embracing it as that aspect of it faded. And we had talked about that even before Solo came out on the pod. We and Or when Solo came out. And we were talking about how, yeah, this stuff is white hot right now in terms of what happened. But as we move on forward, the movie's still going to be here. And all that stuff's going to be way back down in ancient history. And the movie's going to age very well. And it really has been because we're seeing more and more fan movement aside. We're seeing more and more people saying like, you know, I never really gave Solo a shot. but Or I watched it again recently. Man, that movie is a good time or really liked it. So it's just good to hear we're, we're adding Amelia Clark to the list to check her off as someone who is vested in, you know, returning, revisiting the character. And then you have the comic stuff about kira facing off with the han and carbonite like clearly they're internally exploring that idea that that romance uh angle isn't necessarily over even though clearly they went separate ways at the end of solo so there's a lot to be done here a lot to be explored and and uh i would love to see her back because millie clark is awesome across the board mm. yeah um <clears throat> it's interesting too because you know we we talk about it being a movie versus the the show or whatever and i think we're all down for the show but the thing to me that is the most surprising is like i feel that there's a big argument out there for if like if for whatever reason we're sitting in the room with 
Disney and all the people who make those decisions. I think they could give a pretty good argument as to why they don't want to move forward with a movie, right? But I feel it's a lot harder to explain why they might not want to move forward with the television series because that to me is a good way, especially off of Mandalorian and Mandalorian season two, you know, getting praise reviews. Um, and then as we're headed into book of Boba Fett, you got to think they're confident about that too. And like Obi-Wan and Andor, they're putting a lot of budget into that. It just seems that if, if everybody who is a basic star Wars fan is going to have this Disney plus subscription, and they're probably going to check out that show, uh, um, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to do this show and, and they're going to grow with the characters and be excited and get into the speculation week to week, which mm-hmm. only then furthers the possibility for people to go back and revisit the film and be like, maybe I was hard on it. And so, and that to me just doesn't, I, I don't see why they wouldn't th- like, I get where they're like, Oh, it was a, you know, we had a rough time with it. We maybe don't want to revisit that, but this is an opportunity for you to say, but th- this, this is going to build on and it's going to make your, your property look even better or bigger, you know? Um, yeah. And, and we talked, Lacey brings up all the time. Um, the, the Netflix thing, how sometimes they do like a season two, even if it shows a flop because it makes it look like it's bigger. It's like, I don't understand why they wouldn't be able to announce, Hey, we're doing this show and even say like fans demanded it or whatever. If they want to do that, they don't have to. Um, but it, it leads into them saying like, we, we see a lot of success in this. We're very proud of what we've done and it warrants a sequel, you know? So I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to me that it hasn't happened yet. But um, like you said, John, we'll just add Amelia Clark to a long list of people who want it involved too. And, and oh, I had one other thing too. And that's, you don't need to bring back everybody. Like right now, it seems like you need Alden, Amelia, and then probably like maybe Ray, Ray Park. It'd probably be Jonas. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Jonas too. But it's like, but I'm saying like, you don't need to bring back, um, uh, so, like well, everyone Donald else is Glover, dead. for instance. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm saying, Lando. Yeah, you don't have to bring him back. <laughs> you know, Beckett. you don't have to bring uh Beckett. You don't have to bring back um Dryden mm-hmm. Voss. You know, these characters. Those those were actually your biggest people, and they've self written themselves out of the story. <laughs> like they're just they don't have to be involved at all. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy. We can I we do, can move on. The oh, you got something? Re- real quick though. I do I do you know I do wish these you know people who have these opportunities to get score these big interviews and stuff. You know, like Jake Hamilton, like just say make Solo two happen. It's okay. Like let let them use the. It's okay to say it. Like they I feel like they're acting like it's Beetlejuice or Rumpelstiltskin or something. Like just you know throw the fans a bone here. You got the you got the platform. Like <laughs> help out the cause. That's all I'm saying. I just find it interesting that in interviews they can bring up shipping names and other things, but they can't I bring know, up something that's like, hey, these people really like what you did with this project, and they made a hashtag, and they're like, nah, right, <laughs> nah. You're gonna ask J.J. Abrams about Constable Zuvio? Throw a throw a fan movement a bone. That's all. I'm saying. <laughs> um, we got more pictures. Next story. We got more pictures from the Star Wars Andor set. Um, now this, this actual, the pictures that we're talking about right now are from a location that we've already looked at, but they were kind of covered up. They weren't fully prepared yet. And, uh, the person who took the photos before, if I'm not mistaken, has now returned to the site and they're like, Oh, well (laughs) they're set up. They're ready to go. 
um, they you can very clearly see all the different props and stuff that they've used. So we just kind of want to take our opportunity because you know I think we've gone like a whole week without Andor set leaks. So you know we had to catch up um, on this one. Uh, John, I'll, I'll jump back to you on this one just because I think you know the most about the details of where and and why this is kind of important in the yeah production. It's. I mean, this looks very Star Wars to me. It, it looks uh, like some sort of base and, you know, somewhere where there may be some sort of uh, climactic action to the show. Um, clearly, a lot of these things look very familiar to turrets in, like, The Empire Strikes Back on Hoth and, you know, similar aesthetics that would be around for the Galactic Civil War era of Star Wars, so I like that. A lot of green here, which to me usually indicates a rebel base of some kind because last I checked, the Empire doesn't like nature. So, uh, to me, this looks um, <laughs> like it's going to be on the rebellion side of that. I mean, when have you really seen, I haven't seen it. In, yeah, an imperial base it, is usually in a very indoor. gray and cold. Yeah, a very gray and cold space. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. My, I'm guessing this is some sort of, uh, you know, rebellion sort of location. Uh, that'd be my guess. But I do find it interesting because now we're at, we're approaching late June. And I believe the report was that they're going to be filming uh into july so um this may be towards the tail end of the location shoot element of it and uh, obviously they're doing stuff at pinewood as well um but again you know it gets you excited because it's it's that same old adage that you know star wars is changing and you know gone are going to be the days of the big location shoots and the giant uh set constructs and and that sort of thing and here's andor just saying like nah man like we're going big on this one so um it's very cool and it's very exciting and i feel like out of all the star wars shows like mandalorian still felt big because they had just massive special effects like the crate dragon and mm -hmm. the giant uh you know star destroyer ship in the third episode of season two and everything that was going on throughout those two seasons but it did feel like it still had that tv feel to it which i know they were going for i feel like andor is just gonna really feel like a theatrical star wars movie on tv like more than anything more than any of these shows that are coming up and i think it's gonna be because of the grand scale of this stuff and i'm very excited about that um that's all I really got. I think this is cool. This reminds me of the old days when people were creeping on, you know, TFA sets and, and that sort of thing and getting like a picture of a a chair and saying like, oh, what is that? You know? Or, or cool. Rise, Rise of Skywalker when they're like, look at all these little things that are standing out in the desert. Like, what are they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the cardboard cutouts of yeah, the, the yeah, right. Right. Uh, or Lacey. the, or the, when people thought uh, on our commentary for TLJ, people thought like those stones were like graves on Octo and it was just rocks, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Um, Lacey, I, I kind of forget. Do you get into these set photos? Do you enjoy looking at them? Cause I know you like production stuff, but it's also kind of leaky. This stuff doesn't necessarily bother me. I think <laughs> the, the leak thing, let me straighten this out before it gets too crazy. Uh, the leak thing that I have problems with is when character stuff gets leaked. Like if character appearances get leaked, if story gets leaked, that's when it bothers me. And I think that's when it bothers a lot of fans because people want to be genuinely surprised and get invested in the story before it happens <laughs> or not before yeah. it happens. They want to be in it when it's happening. And I think... I always go back to it. The biggest example of that is Baby Yoda. Like, I'll never get that moment back again, uh, as in the reveal of it and how excited and wonderful <clears> and awesome it was. So I just am, like, craving slash wanting that feeling again. 
Yeah. Uh, and I feel like season two of The Mandalorian, a little bit got taken away from people leaking things. That being said, this kind of stuff doesn't bother me at all. It's super cool. I love sets. I love production. Um, I kind of, people always ask us, I think, often, like, what would your dream job be? I think location scout is pretty cool. Is a pretty cool job in Star Wars that you just get to go around and be like, this looks like Star Wars. Yes, I think this will work. And you just get to travel and take pictures of cool places like this reservoir in the Scottish Highlands. Like the fact that this person drove this dirt road and was like, this looks Star Warsy. You know what? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to shoot here. Uh, I think a location scout would be a really, really cool job. You're just like and putting things in your budget that doesn't make any sense. Like, I think about this spot in Hawaii that just might be right. Like Adam Sandler. Adam <laughs> yeah, Sandler oh. just shooting where he wants to take vacations. And Netflix is like, okay. He's like, I'm going to go to Morocco for this mystery movie. And they're like, okay. And he's like, and I'm going to fly all my friends out Are for you, this Moroccan like, vacation. Adam, you can't do that. He's like, hey, do, be, do, be, be. they're like, okay. You can't do that. And then they did it. <laughs> Are either of you uh, Lonely Island fans? Yeah. I mean, Ooh, like, they, probably not recent, like older stuff. Oh, like this, their this original was older. stuff. Yeah. But they, they did a song called uh, Japan. And in the song, they're like, they're just naming things. They're like, now we're in Japan. Now we're in Egypt. Now we're drinking because the they knew that they were going to make a video for it. Oh, and, and the label to was going to pay for it. Yeah. So they're like, now we're drinking expensive sake. Now we're in five Lamborghinis. And like, they just said, it's so funny. Like they, everything they say in the song is specific to be like the most ridiculous ridiculous expensive video but yeah i love a lot of their songs i still think my favorite is i'm on a boat and then followed by jack sparrow is like one of my jack sparrow <laughs> oh my god it's so good what? with michael bolin anyway but yeah so i think this location scout job would be pretty sweet so hook me up lucasfilm i would totally do it that being said this looks very beautiful very picturesque like it's i can see it already the tweets being like you know like how beautiful is the aesthetic of the Andor series mm -hmm. or like highlights from the Andor episode, whatever. And they show like landscape shots on Twitter. I'm already seeing that with this because it's just so stunning. So I, as always, I'm excited. I'm glad that the production's still going. So <laughs> let's yeah. do I, this. I know these photos were taken just like with a cell phone or whatever, but it's like when you see that green, you're just like, Mwah! like it's just the saturation. Yes. It's just so, yep. it's so green and, 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 brown at the same time like the mud and the stone and the ground and everything just it feels so good the gray the, versus the green yeah and, well, and the flyovers in the beginning of rogue one like you feel like you're on soren at disney world like it's yeah, such yeah. a cool yeah atmosphere um it's funny you're so right with this Lacey, too as far as like these types of leaks go because like we can sit here and look at this and study and when you know when you when you're watching the show it's gonna be like that guy and he's gonna be like Ba boom and then like that's it that's that, that. where the scene could get cut there's been tons of locations yeah. and stuff that get cut so that it's whatever. one that one like facility with the gun on the top is like a quick shot you know just to yeah. show like the outside yeah. and then w we might not even see a full scope like the reason there's a physical set there is so that a guy can stand on top of there and, and move the gun around but this this could be a complete digital castle or base that, that that you know doesn't have to have any sort of human interaction or something they could just add in with a computer later um but mm -hmm. they needed the some of these physical structures so it's almost like the looking, reservoir looks like a base 
Yeah, it just looks like you're looking at like one corner potentially of mm-hmm. what could be something really cool and stunning. I mm-hmm. definitely remember when we we got like Canto bite leaks and stuff and it's like or or other other things where they're like walking down the streets and it's like, yeah, they cover up the 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 doors and you can see the doors and the archways and stuff like that look very familiar but it has it, it gives you no visualization of what ends up being this final mm-hmm. grand product because they or, just pop in all this extra cg stuff behind it or sometimes it is just that though like the force awakens dakar remember those helicopter shots and you saw the falcon and pose x-wing and it's just like oh that looks kind of like the evan four temple and then in the movie they're just like yeah that's it Um, but you're right i hope it's something cool for sure yeah well that's pretty much uh that's pretty much all the major stories that happened this week in star wars i do want to mention too that uh i did get the opportunity to sit down uh with uh brad bro jennifer corbett and ming na wen uh, from Bad Batch, uh, they did a little press junket and a kind of a, a round table where we were allowed to ask questions and kind of talk about the show with a lot of other uh, podcasts and websites and things like that. So it was actually really awesome. And a lot of uh, the the coverage for that is on StarWarsNewsNet.com. You can check that out. Also, uh, a little bit in uh, my Bad Batch recap that I did on Friday. So if you haven't yet gone and checked that out, um, big episode this week, uh, which surprises me not at all that they decided to get ahead of it um and and share the episode and do a a press junket with a lot of the press and stuff so um so i hope everybody's watching the bad batch and uh if you want to see more about the behind the scenes of it all um go check out starwarsnewsnet.com how wonderful is mingna she's absolutely wonderful oh so nice yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) and and uh and like we were saying earlier like a big star wars fan too i think like she uh she's very happy to be involved in this series and say you know um, I guess I'll say one of the things is that she was very excited to um, uh, be offered the role. And she was like, oh, I, you know, my character dies so quickly. Like, all right. But I just want to be in Star Wars. I want to be able to cross that off my bucket That means list. she didn't know she was coming back. I no, knew more yeah, than yeah. Ming-Na. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> she says she's, you know, very excited now that uh that she decided to make that decision at the time because not only did she get to be in season one she got to be in season two now they're bringing her in a bad batch now they're and doing book of Boba yeah. Fett. It's Re- just, yeah. remember remember the hysteria after she died <laughs> and they're like they got they got ming na wen and they're gonna kill her after this one episode and now she and now she's literally in everything yeah, yeah. i was the yeah. lone lone person <laughs> being like guys they didn't show her face she's fine yeah, you don't get a big well, star like that and then knock her out. <laughs> but you don't they, do that they, to Mulan. Get out of here, James. Just, just how kind of like, um, you know, she's in her like late fifties. How, how just how, how the youthful energy she has is very inspiring for one thing. Yeah, and she's gorgeous. Two, uh, her answer was just so funny. To like when she answered your question, she goes, I, "Well, I also like her because you know she she marches to the beat of her own drum." And she's very inspiring, especially for, you know, young women. Uh, I get that she's an assassin. We're just going to let that go. <laughs> yeah. Don't pay attention to the fact that she's a bounty hunter and a murderer. Like, she's well, inspiring, kind of She plays in Agents yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D., too, as, like, someone yeah. that could just kill you. Yeah. But yes, we're, we're, yeah. we are going to talk a lot about more of the implications of this uh, on Thursday, where we're going to be joined by, uh, coming back, our buddy Ashi Bashar from Beartooth is coming back. 
Um, we're going to talk to him about obviously their new album, but he's going to, he's a huge star Wars fan. You probably watched our episode with him doing chapter 15 of the Mandalorian on the Mando fan show this past December. He's coming back and we're going to talk to him on Thursday about uh, a lot more of this and how this weaves into, you know, Boba Fett and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be a good chat on Thursday. Absolutely. Well, Lacey, you said you are a loner when it comes to uh, thinking that uh, Ming-Na Wen was dead, but I can tell you one thing you, you are not alone in, and that is our Patreon, the Resistance Officers, I was officers wondering how and you everything were about the base. <laughs> Tie that back. <sighs> it was a nice try. Guys, time for the Patreon pod race. So there are lots of different ways you can support us. You can follow us on Twitter at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N. You can follow us on Instagram at The Resistance Broadcast. Or if you want more content from us, including tons of mini episodes every week, live Q&As, live watch-along commentaries with The Mandalorian and movies, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Starting at only $2 a month, you get access to the page and you get to engage with other people in the community. But as you go up in the ranks, you get more benefits and cool stuff like Discord, mailings, uh, and then you get to be a part of the show sometimes. And this is one of those segments where you have our generals be a part of the show. So first of all, I want to give a thank you to our generals and spice runners. So starting with our generals, we have Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw. Nope. <laughs> Muscle memory. Did that John, again. John Reese, Jenna Rosewater, Michael Gates, Paul Olsen, Jake Houchins, Oliver Lewis, Frank Grande, Hass Islam, uh, Joe Ritchie, Darth Hurricane, Timothy Hill, John Charlton, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, and Val Trichkoff. You know how many times I've had to do this that my brain just automatically knows Neil's next? Do you want me yeah. to scramble them? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you're going to have to. Okay, and then thanks to our Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, <laughs> Double wow. C, a.k.a. Chris, uh, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, and Micah Harrison. Thank you guys so much for your support. It means oh, so much awesome, to us. Um, so this week we have Andrew Staley. The yeah. lovely Andrew Staley is back. And we asked him, if you can or you find out that you can use the force, would you ever use it to your advantage in real life situations? If so, give an example of when you'd use it. So, Andrew, take it away. Thanks, guys. If I had the force, um, two things that came to mind. One would be force healing. Uh, I would love to have the ability to be able to um, help people, obviously. Uh, the other thing would be uh, the reactions or the reflexes to be able to use it more in traffic, dealing with uh, poor drivers and things like that. And even then, there's a potential it could lead into um, a racing career. So that'd be kind of cool to have something like that. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. And may the force be with you. Nice job, Andrew. By the way, you've been posting pictures of your cats online. Please keep doing that. John, what do you think? <laughs> I, I, Well, Andrew, in typical Andrew fashion, because he's such a good guy, made me feel like a schlub because I was like, oh, I'll get out of speeding tickets. I'll cut. I'll get to the front of a line. I'll go. And Andrew's first response is I would use uh, hopefully be able to learn the uh, healing power so that I could help people. And I'm like. Oh, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew says that, but then he did also say, 
um, quick reactions and instincts so that it could help me in traffic in case there are bad drivers out there and that he could maybe also parlay that into a racing career. I know he's a huge racing fan. Nice. So that's cool. Andrew, I would only imagine if you had the ability to use the force in a high top circuit racing circuit, you would be unstoppable. So... And you could probably like get rid of the lug nuts using the force and stuff. You could really just make your way to the front without even having to fail an inspection like some drivers have recently. But as always, man, uh, and great background, by the way, as always. Unbelievable. But thank you uh, for a great answer on both sides of the alley to get uh, the, the good person version and also the little selfish version. So I like the balance of the force you did there. But as always, uh, thanks so much for your support. It's always an honor that you have chosen to support us because you're that amazing of a Star Wars fan. And I'll say this every time you do a pod race, if all Star Wars fans were like you, everyone would want to be a Star Wars fan. So thank you, Andrew. James? So, yeah, I, and I, I agree with you, John, um, that it, I wasn't so selfless with my thought, too. But I did think I always think I always think of levitation. I think that's the number one thing. I remember I used to work in shipping and, and logistics and stuff. And I was always, man, as soon as we could just like lift every box, regardless <laughs> of weight and put it on shelves and stuff. Huge, like big difference. So when I was thinking if I had the force, I, that would be the first thing I would think about is like my ability to move large objects quickly and things um, and probably work. Uh, helping those types of people out. But um, but Andrew Staley here saying, uh, you know, I get the force healing. That's that's a big thing. But a racing career, I don't know, man. It's a little, that might be a little shady. Isn't that considered performance enhancing religion or something? <laughs> like you kind of are cheating. Uh, everybody else doesn't have those special skills. I don't know. Um, but I think your heart is in the right place. Absolutely, as always. Uh, great job on the podcast. And uh good answers on, on both part honestly yeah thanks andrew great answer love your background love your hat very cool still yeah. waiting for my time to go to galaxy's edge eventually <laughs> um your answer is wonderful and it speaks to you as a as a person and such a caring individual my panic and anxiety as a star wars fan was you can only give so much energy to people when you're healing them as per ray and what we learned from ben solo so my panic was oh my god you'd give all your energy away and then you would die so i don't want that to happen so maybe do a little a little healing (laughs) but then racing's good unless you regenerate it i don't know we don't know that far what if he just heals like little birds or something he said people. He wants to help people. Maybe just their pinky or something. That that reminds <laughs> me of I'm not saying a, it's a not a great video, idea. Actually. I'm just saying he I did. panicked because I was like, what if he gives away all his energy? That was what in the 10 <laughs> seconds of watching your video. That's what I thought because yeah. I'm crazy. Anyway, thank you so much for being awesome. Uh, again, keep posting pictures of your cats, Ray and Luke. Uh, I love them, even though they're not my cats. And now we're going to head back to John. All right. So, yeah, we have a few minutes left here, and uh, sometimes we like to just chit-chat. So, um, James, real quick, uh, that that whole, you know, press thing, you've done them for us in person. You've done them virtually. Um, I think we've all had the opportunity to do stuff like that. Lacey, obviously, doing all the Hasbro stuff for us and, and getting the latest on that. I got to do the thing for the holiday special with the Anthony Daniels. Um the aspect of not having to travel, is that worth doing it via virtual for you? Or do you, would you rather be like, I'm going to go to the thing, meet the person, 
sit in front of them like what, what is there a balance there for you i know so i know what some people think about it but i'm curious what you think about yeah it. no absolutely i mean it's definitely one of those things where it's like hey you get this really cool exclusive opportunity um that there's probably zero chance you're gonna have to pass on you know what i mean because you're just gonna be yeah. able to do it you know uh from home and uh be involved in in that way just the same as everybody else it's not like some people yeah. are going and then you're gonna be able to like webcam in or whatever um, so that is definitely cool, but I will say like, there's something to the experience absolutely of being like, I gotta go to California, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's how it is. And, and being taken out there, like, it's funny because they had, uh, for this particular thing, they had like a, a separate zoom room that was like hospitality room where you can kind of like hang out before things happened. And I'm like, hospitality room it's kind of i mean it's cool we're hanging out and we're meeting people and kind of discussing how things are going to go down but uh obviously like a hospitality room at you know a different event like an actual press junket is incredibly different you know i mean there's uh, yeah there's things for you to to own they give you um you can take pictures you get to see outfits and and they, right. they feed you like this crazy food and stuff and um, it's just a really entirely different experience. Um, so I don't know. And I, I'm, I'm sure Lacey can speak to that type of stuff when it comes to, um, like conventions and things like that too. Like how they, how you treat guests, um, that are there to like sign and do press and stuff. Yeah. I've been more on the other side. Like I set up said room. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. get to go to said room, but I mean, I, I miss traveling. It's It's been a long time, and it probably will be still more for me personally, but uh, I look forward to the time that we get to go do stuff again, which is interesting because, you know, I do do the Hasbro stuff, and I've gone to New York Comic Con and met them at Comic Cons in the past, uh, and they're really nice. They're actually not that far from where I live, so I'm, I'm waiting for the day that they're like, hey, why don't you take a trip up here and come see stuff? Uh, what up, Patrick? <laughs> are, they, are they in Connecticut? They're in Rhode Island. Oh, okay. They're across from the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Their building's like literally across the street. They're oh, one that's of why three they're such a big presence uh, at people like that Rhode Island Rhode Con. Island. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely miss the events and stuff like that, but it's got to be cool to be like, yeah, talk to Migna when I was wearing flannel, flannel pajamas. You know, you just like you come downstairs, turn on your thing. And you're like, now I'm talking to someone who's in Star Wars. It's yeah, it's pretty wild. Like I got to do ask Anthony Daniels a question and I'm probably wearing the same exact pajama pants that I'm wearing right now. And it's just like that's cool. But I also do miss the I, I don't I'm not a big travel person. Like I'll never drive more than five hours. A flight that's six hours. I start getting a little cranky, which is the flight to L.A. for like me and Lacey. Uh, but I do miss it. And I, I would never want to trade that. Like, I, I still would like the opportunity because you do other things, too. Like, you get to try to you know, meet up with other people that you know. Like, like, like Lacey, networking. What, Lacey, one of the best times we had when we went out for the premiere of Rise of Skywalker, I think, was the night at Scum and Villainy where we got to hang with, you know, Clayton and, and a bunch of friends. Yeah, that was, it was a packed. great night. And yeah. you don't do that if it's just like, here's a screener of a movie. That's it. So Yeah, the networking's probably my big thing. Just meeting people. Yeah, the human... I, I love... I love hanging out with people. I love being surrounded by people and the conversation, the laughs and, and just uh, the human exchange that you can't replicate via a Zoom call. And, you know, we obviously do our podcast that way. But when we get together, we I feel like we have such a great time. And uh, so I I do like that we have the opportunity to do those things now. And like, you know, we got to do the Schmodown thing because of it and all that stuff. And I get that and I like that. But 
I, I also like the fact that, you know, thinking about celebration, like you said, Lacey, I can't wait till, you know, TRB, we get to go do stuff again. And now like the way we've been growing, like we can really like, you know, lick our chops and like go do stuff. And I'm very mm-hmm. excited about that. Cause so you almost like forget about that for a while. It's like, where are my jeans? I got to go find them and we have to go do stuff. I'm going to be so awkward to start at least because of the whole pandemic and everything. You like don't. What is people? <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're yeah. the only people at celebration with face shields. <laughs> like everybody else we're is like, moved past it. What's that band? <laughs> that band that broke up? I might be the only one. I'm like the weirdo that's like still masking up and everything. That band, that band that broke up. Are you talking about Daft Punk? Da- Daft Punk. That's <laughs> oh my Daft, god. Daft Punk. Yeah. I can't um, believe that happened. By the way. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I, I you you'll be fine. You, you're you're very good at celebration. So like once. Once you walk in and you get your pretzel and you take your first bite and someone says, Lacey Gilderin, and you're like, huh? And I'll never forget gonna, that it's gonna, out of all the things that could have happened, it's me it's stuffing It's going to be like face. riding a bike. It's going to be yeah. like riding a bike. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we are up on uh, time for this episode. So any final words for our listeners out there? You want to say a little hellos or, or thanks or love yous or anything? You guys are the best. Yeah, thanks for hanging out this long. Like, yeah, YouTube yeah. retention, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yes. Well, speaking of which, thanks to everybody who has been subscribing to the show, uh, whether that is YouTube or our podcast platforms uh, everywhere. It's it's crazy the the fact that we have a Discord on our Patreon where people talk, and there's people literally from Australia talking to people from England, talking to people from France that are talking to people from Iowa, and they all met because of our this silly little podcast we do and that's that's amazing so i want to thank everybody for for being a part of trb make sure you do subscribe if you haven't yet it's free wherever you prefer whether it's on video or audio uh and also like james said before starwarsnewsnet.com for all of your star wars news reviews editorials information and more and all of that coverage from that presser event with ming wen and the bad batch uh, uh showrunners uh you can find me on twitter at johnny hoey and at starwarsnewsnet.com and uh, my movie podcast just like the movies where me and my best friend mike talk about old movies of a simpler time in our lives james um you can find me on twitter and instagram at meyer trunks as well as the bad batch like we talked about earlier um but even more specifically tomorrow we're going to drop a couple videos having to do with some high republic books uh, as we do our book discussions um for star wars newsnet and that's with kyle larson Uh, we're going to be talking about uh rising storm so i'm pretty excited about uh pretty excited about that one when it comes out very good yeah it's a good way to keep up with that stuff Mm -hmm. um lacy what's going on People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. And then also this week, I'll be putting out another Lacey's Outpost with stuff that I forgot I purchased Whoa. that showed up in my house. So surprises? <laughs> you can't best. say what it is yet? That's the best thing that comes uh, in the mail. It's the Stormtrooper helmet. The First Order oh, Stormtrooper helmet. Oh, nice. Does it filter out to- uh, smoke? I don't know. I haven't opened it yet. Saving it for the video. <laughs> right on. All right. So, uh, yeah. So like we said before, Thursday, we're going to be joined by Ashi Bashar of Beartooth, having a good time talking Star Wars, specifically some Boba Fett stuff. So be sure to join us on Thursday. But until then, enjoy your weeks. And we'll see you then right here on the Resistance Broadcast. We'll see you around, kids. <laughs>